friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. I'm really pleased that you're here. Thank you for your wonderful comments. Those of you that have left those and the shares uh, that you've given this podcast and really appreciate all the love uh, that you're giving to us here at Making Disciples. My name is Chris Rogers and I am your host. And on today's podcast, um, I want to just talk a little bit about how we go about sharing our faith. Being a disciple of Jesus means we become somebody who makes disciples as well. It's not just that you're a disciple, but that Jesus says to us, therefore go and make disciples. So we're meant to be a, a disciple-making movement. We, I'm becoming a disciple and I'm meant to disciple others and they're meant to disciple others. And in all of this, uh, it's about sharing our faith with somebody else. And so often people say things like, oh, my, my faith, you know, it's personal. My faith is personal. There is nothing, friends, personal about a God who's died on a cross, stripped naked, uh, flogged and hung on a cross publicly in the public square uh, for uh, all to see. There's nothing private. There's nothing private about what Jesus has done for you and how he's changed your life for the better, how he's at work in you and he's shaping you and, and forming you. This, there is nothing private about this. This is about God at work in the world. And I want to just remind you of a little story. It's a story that you'll find in Luke uh, 15. And this is what it says. Luke 15 verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had a, a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends, his neighbours together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, uh, there will be much rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 religious or righteous people who do not repent. It's a fab little story and I love it. Uh, Jesus finds this lost sheep in the story. He is the shepherd and Jesus has gone off to find the lost one and he comes home and he says he rejoices. In fact, the, the, the original language, the word there would be, you know, he explodes with joy having found the lost sheep. And then he tells his neighbours and his friends and his family, come over, we're going to have a party. Like there's, there's nothing private about a lost sheep being found. It's public. Come on, I, I found my lost sheep. I want to celebrate. I, I want to party. So this story that we have here in Luke 15 is a story that says this. God has the 99% and he is missing the 1%, the 1%. And he is going to go on mission to track down and find the one. Now, this story was a story that was told 2000 years ago by Rabbi Jesus to a community that was predominantly a Jewish community. And Jesus is saying to the people of God, look, there's people out there, the one who don't know who I am. They're the lost sheep, the lost sheep of Israel, or the, the lost tribes of Israel. And we're going to go and find them. We're going to bring them home. And it's a story to a predominantly religious community about noticing who's not in the one. Friends, I, I want to take this story and, and just approach it slightly differently for us today, because you and I do not live uh, in a world 
where there are 99% of people who are saved or at home with Jesus or a part of what Jesus is doing, uh, we live in a world where the 1% are home and the 99% are missing. In Jesus' story, the 99% were home, but the 1% was missing. We no longer live in that world. It's got worse than that. At some point, there was 2% missing. There was 3% missing. There was 4% missing. There was 5% missing. And then it just started to spiral out of control where there was 40% missing, 50% missing, 60% missing, 70% missing, 80% missing, 90% missing, 95% missing, 94, 96, 98. And now it's at 99% are missing. There's more out now wandering around as lost sheep than there is those that are in. This story is now totally, utterly flipped around. When Jesus told it, there was one, one sheep that was missing. There was 99 home. Now we're in a position where the church has the 1% and the world has the 99%. We have got so far away from what Jesus's vision of that story was. Jesus wanted us to find the one and now we're finding the 99. And this is what I want to explore uh, in this podcast uh, this morning. How do we go about sharing our faith? We are partnering with the Good Shepherd to track down the 99%. How do we do it? What is God up to? How do we join in? And can we ever see a day where it's back to the 99 and the 1. So friends, welcome to Making Disciples, and I hope you enjoy this episode. The 99 and the 1. So, we're a part of the 1%. And now there's 99% that are no longer home. They're no longer with the shepherd. They're no longer in the sheep pen. So what are we up to? Well, we know that God is always at work. And God is always at work. And God is looking for co-conspirators and partners to be a part of this incredible work. This is why the shepherd calls his friends and his family around him to, to celebrate when he finds the lost sheep. And, and God is inviting us into being a part of this movement of making disciples, disciples who make disciples. And there's a word that we use about this that is the most unhelpful word. Uh, it's the word evangelism. Uh, you've heard talks or may have heard talks about you need to share your faith, you need to be an evangelist. And we just switch off because we just cannot comprehend how we might ever be able to talk about our faith with people that actually genuinely leads people into a relationship with him. So what I want to do today is talk about the art of connecting. And there's a great little story in Luke chapter 24. It's a story of the Emmaus Road. Jesus has died and uh, the resurrection has happened. And Jesus is walking on what's called the Emmaus Road. And he's on this journey uh, with uh, two individuals who think Jesus is dead. They think it's all over. And he walks with them. And in walking with them, he's discussing faith. 
And he does it in in such a beautiful way that they don't really know what's going on. And Jesus in the story is walking these two people and he's explaining everything that they needed to know. And it isn't until the end of the story in verse 35 that they suddenly realise who is the person that's been talking to them. And what I want to champion with you today is that you can share your faith as much as I can share my faith. Not by being a street preacher or getting on a soapbox and wagging your finger. You don't have to be overboard on Facebook, uh, always writing about Jesus. There is a way of you sharing your faith that is so beautiful that people just want to be around you because they want to know more. And that the story of uh, the Emmaus Road journey, uh, Jesus takes time to discuss and talk with people, not tell them and to journey with them. Jesus tells these, these two individuals the big God story and how it all fits together. And in this, he gives his story and explains something about what's been going on for him. And then Jesus breaks bread with them and he, he eats with them and it all starts to come together. And in the story of the Emmaus Road, there's this beautiful little bit in verse 32 where it says that having heard all that Jesus had to say, it says, it says, were not our hearts burning within us as he talked with us? And imagine if in your workplace or at the bus stop, you can talk about faith and Jesus and yourself and what he has done in such a way that when you leave people, your their hearts are burning because they just want to know more. I love that phrase. We're not our hearts burning within us when he talked to us. I think it's a very simple way really, of being able to share faith. And I would say this, I think there are three stories. There's three stories that we're, we're, we're a part of and that we can talk through. First is their story. The person that you are talking to, they have a story. They have experience. They've seen things. They've heard things. They've noticed things. They have a story. You have a story. You have a story about what you've experienced and what you have seen. And one of the things about your story is I cannot I can't disagree with your story. It's just your experience. And and in your story, when you tell your story, you're, you're telling me something that I, I don't necessarily know. So they have a story. You have a story. And the last bit is that God has a story. And I think these three stories are, are just a beautiful uh, playing field, you could say for you and I to explore faith with people. So let me just walk you through this for a second. Imagine you're sat, you're having coffee with some friends and you turn to the friend across the table and because people love talking about themselves, don't they? They love telling good stories. I've got a, a friend of mine uh, who is a vicar in, here in East London and often there's about five or six of us vicars who get together. Uh, we go for a pub lunch and we hang out and chat and this guy always tells us stories. People love a good story. So, if you were to imagine sitting across the table and you said to the individual across the table, I would love it if you could tell me something that I don't know about you. Tell me something about you that I, I don't know. And as they're telling their story, the invitation is for you to start looking for connection points. Are there things in their story that either connect with you or connect with God's, God's big story? So you're just listening. Listen to them. And I would say this phrase. Friends, listen deeply. Listen deeply. Don't leap in. Don't try to tell them your story yet. Don't try to interject. Just listen. Tell me a story. Tell me about your childhood. 
Tell me about your marriage. Tell me about your children. Tell me what you do for a living. Tell me what, what happens at work. How did you get to where you are at work? Listen to them. Just let them talk it through. People don't care how much uh, we know until they care about how much, until they know about how much we care. Let me say this again. People don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. So what you're doing here is you are just inviting them to know that you care. The greatest way of caring for somebody is just listening to what they have to say. Once you have listened to what they have to say in their story, you could then say to them, uh, that was really interesting you said that. Can I just ask you a question? Um, why did you make that choice? Or why did you go there? What was your thinking behind that? I love that. I love that what you, you just said. Why did you do that? And then listen to their answers. Gain an understanding of what it is in their life uh, and where in their life they may need Jesus. So you just listen to them. How does Jesus apply to their life? If they talk about a season in their life when they've been in debt, if they talk about uh, undercurrent in their lives of, of not really knowing who they are or what value, you just listen to them. What is it that they, they're saying that actually connects something with Jesus? And by listening, that you, you are showing that you care for them. And we earn the right to be heard. The, the more we listen, the more right we earn to be heard. And this is one of the things that really frustrate, frustrates me. Um, I live here in East London and not far up the road, we have a place called Stratford. It's where the Olympics were. And because it was a hot spot for the Olympics, so many churches thought it would be acceptable to set up little stands to preach the gospel to people when they got off the bus. If they were interested or not, they were going to shout at you that you were going to go to hell and that you needed to respond to Jesus. When you walk through Stratford now on some Saturday afternoons, you have to walk past eight, nine, ten people who are all fighting to be heard as they preach the gospel. And they'll all have microphones. We were there uh, just a few weeks ago and me and my daughter were walking through and there's a guy rapping the gospel. They, they, there's so many of them shouting and screaming. They're having to come up with new ways of getting your attention. Friends, I, I want to say... Sharing our faith does not start by screaming at somebody. Sharing our faith starts by saying, tell me your story. Tell me what's going on for you. Like, what, what is happening right now that I don't know? Like, tell me about where you grew up. What was, what was growing up like for you in that place? Listening gives you uh, more permission and right to actually be heard. Nobody cares what you think. Um, until they know that you care about them. Until they know that you care about what they think and what they understand the world to look like, they will never value your opinion. So I, I love using the word speak, S-P-E-A-K. Firstly, uh, I, this is what I kind of use. S stands for story. Tell me your story. Tell me your story. P stands for passion. What do you love to do? What is it you love to do? Tell me about that. E stands for encourage. Uh, do you know what you are good at? Do you realise that you you may not have even noticed this, but you are so good at storytelling. You are so good at loving people. You are so good at bringing the best out in people. Give a word of encouragement. A is assist. Uh, what can I do for you? I, I love this question. So if you, uh, S is tell me your story. P is passion. E is encourage. A is assist. 
What can I do for you? Is there something you need right now? What can I do for you? The number of meetings I've had where I've sat and I've listened to somebody and then I've ended by saying, what can I do for you? Before I've said anything else, what can I do for you? They sit there and go, what? Like, nobody offers. Yeah, what can you do for me? Yeah, well, actually, I'm struggling with this right now or I have no idea about that. You've earned the right to offer more, particularly when you say, what can I do for you? Assist. And K is no. Uh, What can I learn from you? So often when... I'm first meeting with somebody to simply say to them, tell me your story and then say to them, what do you know that you think it'd be great for me to know? Is there somewhere you've been or something you've seen that would be great for me to know? These are all brilliant conversation starters with an individual. What can I learn from you? So once you've done that, you spent time in their story and you spent enough time with them that you've started to get to a place where they are interested in your story. Now, for some people, they'll tell you their story for half an hour and then they'll say, you tell me, tell me yours. Sometimes it'd be days, weeks and months. And eventually, uh, either they'll say, tell me your story or you'll say, do you know what? I've heard a lot about you. Can I share a little bit about my story with you? So um, your story is simply about this is who I am, um, you know, your struggles, your pain, the journey that you've you've been on, where you think you're heading. All of this is your story. Uh, and when we are real about life, then people will listen. If you present everything, you know, that Instagram, perfect picture life, where everything is perfect, like, they're going to switch off. Like That's not real life, friends. Like If you live a life that's absolutely perfect and you're living your best life, Bless you. I don't know. I, I've. It's not me. That's not the life that I lead. You know, life is is a struggle. It's a collection of of struggles that you navigate. Some well and, and some not. So, uh, when you are real, people will be real back. The next thing I say would be, be this: um, everywhere we connect, sooner or later. Uh, these connection points with somebody's life can end up pointing back to God. So if to detach your story, oh I grew up, I grew up in this rural village in in North Scotland. No way. Like I grew up in a real rural village in Devon. What was it like for you to grow up there? Oh my gosh, I, I it was exactly the same for me. Like, yeah, there was there was nothing ever to do, was there? Like, looking for these connection points, start to bring your story and their story together. They know there's now something in common. And as you get to know them and as they get to know you, uh, your story uh, and their story start to mingle and you realise there's, there's things that connect you. So, and I would apply this to, if you are somebody who struggles to make friendships, um, I recently sat with a bunch of different individuals who are all people who struggle making friendships. And one of the things that I noticed about all of them was they talk about themselves, but never ask anything of the other individual. A particular person that I know who would always want to tell me what's going on with them, but never interested in how I'm doing. Don't be like that guy. Don't be like that girl. Be somebody who is interested in the other person's other person's story. I was actually able to challenge one individual recently and say, do you realise we've known each other now for probably five years. We've had coffee quite a lot of times. You've never asked me anything about my story. You've never asked me about where I come from. You never asked me what I think. You never asked me how I'm doing. And actually it was a bit of a, 
a bit of a challenge to them. Don't be that guy. Don't be that person. Be somebody who's looking to hear their story so that you can then share your story. Be somebody who's interested in the other. And your story, your life story, has three parts to it. The first part is this, before I met Jesus. Then you've got how you met Jesus. And then you've got since I met Jesus. So before I met Jesus, how I met Jesus, and since I met Jesus. And these three pieces of your story, <clears throat> you can choose how, uh, how much you kind of say. Uh, you can reel it in carefully. You can you can go all out. Um, so I would often not say how I met Jesus, but I might say, Do you know what? Before I had a faith, this is what life was like for me. Um, and it's just one of my ways of being able to uh, pull back that sense of, oh, hang on. Oh, hang on. I can see what's going on here. I just put it back. Do you know, before I really had a faith, this is what I would think about myself. Or before I had a faith, this is what it looked like. But actually, once I had a faith, and once I met the God that I believed in and had an encounter with him, everything changed. So um, thinking about in terms of before I met Jesus, how you met Jesus, since you met Jesus, that becomes a part of your story. So these three parts, one of the things I'd love to challenge you to do is maybe write down uh, beginning, middle, end. And end is only where you're, you're up to, to now. But write down what did life look like beforehand? What does life look like as you met him? And then what does life look like uh, since then? So that is their story, my story. And now let's just talk about God's story, these three stories. The God's story uh, is not necessarily what you think it's going to be. What I'm not going to suggest is you have to try, try and tell the individual everything you know about the God's story. You are not going to need to tell them everything from creation, fall, the first flood, the building of the new nations. You don't, you don't need this. You don't even need to mention a great deal uh, of the Old Testament. What we are doing when we talk about God's story is we are simply pointing people to Jesus. We're simply saying that's where Jesus is. Or we're saying he's over there. We're essentially telling people uh, about what God has been up to and it's more interesting for them to hear about God's story coming out of you rather than a, a random concept of what God has done. So if I sat down with you, let me give you a little example. Here. If I sat down here and I said, um, do you know you're a sinner but Jesus died for you and he died for you on the cross and then he rose again so that you might have new life. That that story, there's so much in it that, well, is it historically correct? People might say, did Jesus really exist? How do we know he actually died? How do we actually know that he rose again? It raises a whole ton of questions. But when we place God's story in your life and you say something like, do you know, before I was a Christian, I used to think of myself as somebody that had absolutely no value. And I listened to what my teachers said, uh, I listened to what parents said, or uncles and aunts said, friends said, and I believed that I was absolutely worthless. So out of this place of believing I was worthless, I made decisions and choices that were absolutely ridiculous. Like you would have no idea how insane I was at the most insane moments over the choices that I made, because I thought I wasn't worth it. 
But then when I came to realise there was a God, and I said, yeah, God, do you know what? If you, if you are there, and I allowed God to show himself to me, then suddenly I started to see a change in my life. And all the things that I'd heard about how Jesus had died for me and he'd rose for me suddenly was no longer a historical event. But actually, I started to realise that God actually profoundly loved me. And that what Jesus did when he died was actually to do something that would really change my life. And, like, you know, since that moment, this is how my life has changed. I, I now see myself very differently to how I see it before because I don't see myself anymore through the eyes of those that told me I was a failure and nothing would come become uh, good for my life. I actually see myself now through th this filter that God is giving me uh, myself because he's showing me how he sees me. If I told you that Jesus was a historical figure, you can debate him. <clears throat> but if I say to you that I've encountered a God that's changed me, you and I now cannot argue over the historical events of 2000 years ago. Because we're actually talking about me and what I've experienced. When I experienced God, this is what he did with me. I went from being like this to being like this. And I sensed God at work in my life from here to there. So the God story is not about you telling people historical events and remembering all the facts or trying to argue them and twist, twist their arm to believe what you believe. Simply telling God stories about you telling them what God has done in you and how you have seen Jesus at work in your life. So just a couple of tips uh, around this. Uh, number one, we speak um, of Jesus and we not about Jesus. If you talk about Jesus... Uh, then you're placing him at arm's reach. But when you speak of Jesus, this person that you you know, it becomes about something that you own. So just give me an example here. If we talk about football, I could say, well, there's a game and there's a ball. You kick it around the pitch and you've got to get it in some goals. You don't do that. What you and I do is we talk about football. I went to this football match and this is what I've seen. We talk about work and the job that I do. We talk about politics and what we think about it. Um, so what we are doing here is not telling people about a character that's at arm's reach. We're actually telling people of the Jesus that we know. I just want to tell you about the Jesus that I've met. He's not a Jesus that comes to point his religious finger at me. He actually comes to whisper at me his great love and how much he loved for me when he died on the cross he he speaks with me so we, we talk uh, about Jesus and how we've met him we talk of the things that we know you know people are turned off by religion uh, but still uh, yet still are attracted to the things that Jesus taught if you think about um, people are interested in Jesus's teaching he's a good teacher uh, they're not necessarily uh, interested in you talking about his life, but you're talking about his teaching. They become interested. So what we're doing is we're speaking of Jesus and the Jesus that we've met and how he's changed our lives. The second thing I would say, therefore, is uh, I would say keep fully away from my religion can beat up your religion. If your religion is atheism or if your religion is uh, Christian, um, Judaism or Islam, Getting into my religion is better than your religion or my God is better than your God will always leave you in an ugly place. Whenever you start bashing people with religion, my religion against your religion, it will always leave an ugly relationship. In fact, I would say don't even bring up their religion. 
unless it's part of their story, don't bring it up. Because me debating Christianity versus Islam with my Muslim friends will never get me anywhere. But me telling the story of what Jesus has done in my life, well, that changes things. They're interested by that. So the first is we need to speak of Jesus and not about Jesus. We need to also keep away from religion and beating up other religions. The third thing I would say to the God story is this. We, we need to get to a point where we can simply gossip Jesus in the same way that you might gossip about football or your, your holiday or a movie that you've watched. We need to get to a place where we can just gossip Jesus. We just can talk about him um, so naturally and normally it's not weird. Finding your own language uh, to do that. So I want to just land us really as we run out of time in this podcast with just a couple of questions. Um, so we talked about you know your story, their story, God's story. Uh, we talked about the Mias Road and this idea of journeying with people and walking with people and uh, and getting people to fall in love with what you have to say about Jesus. You know what we were saying from uh, Luke twenty four thirty two, we're not our hearts burning within us as he talked about about us and talked about Jesus was not our hearts burning within us. Just a couple of questions for us to land with. Question number one is I'd say something like this. What was life like for you before you met Jesus? What was life like for you before I met Jesus? Number two, I'd say this. How did you come to meet Jesus? You know, what did your encounter with Jesus look like? And then I guess there's a follow up question there. Have you? Have you had an encounter with Jesus? Or is it just a historical knowledge of Jesus? Have you actually had an encounter with Jesus? If you've never had an encounter with Jesus, I would love to say talk to somebody who you know has had an encounter with Jesus. Like, listen to them and, and, and ask them, how have they done it? What did they do? Where were they? And maybe they could pray with you about you also having this encounter. If you've not had an encounter with Jesus, there's a danger that you're a historian of Jesus, not somebody who, who knows Jesus. So... Get with somebody who can help you get to a point where you know Jesus, not knowing of Jesus. And then the last question I would ask is this. What's the difference uh, Jesus has made in your life? What difference has Jesus made in your life? And this is the most crucial question for many of us. If you sit with somebody for coffee and you cannot tell them why Jesus is good news, then maybe you've not got any good news to share with them. What difference has Jesus made in your life so that you can genuinely say to the person across the table, I went from being this person to this person because of what Jesus did. And it's in being able to tell them, I went from here to here because of Jesus. That is what is going to captivate their imaginations as they think about well, what could it look like for me. So friends, there's 99% of people who are not in the church. Good Shepherd Jesus is out doing his part. Are you and I doing our part to share our faith with people? We do not need to be raving evangelists, bashing people with Bibles. We just need to be people who lovingly gossip Jesus and people who lovingly listen to the stories of those that we sit across the table with. As we listen to their story, then get to a place where we can tell our story, we can see the connection between the two, and we can eventually then get to the point of talking about God's story. So friends, I, I wanna leave that, that with you and challenge you. Are you even interested that there are the 99 out there 
waiting for you and I to go and find them? Or are you happy sitting in a sheep pen with the 1%? So friends, until next time, my name is Chris Rogers. Thank you for listening to Making Disciples, the podcast. Until next time, grace. Grace.